0: We're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about the tyranny of the weaker brother. Folks, this is a continuation or a part two, as it were, of the podcast that me and Aaron did yesterday. I guess I should say Aaron and I did yesterday, where we talked about fundraising, and we talked about some of the areas in which elders rule, which is areas of expediency. And we talked a little bit about the tyranny of the weaker brother but not much i, mean, I only I, we may have mentioned it but today we're going to have this conversation and this is a conversation that i have quite often it typically comes up about the same time each year you can you can guess why so the goal for today is to edify and inform to encourage and to empower you that maybe you can be the positive change agent that that you're needed to be At the congregation where you are, if you are indeed part of a congregation who is held prisoner or hostage by the tyranny of the weaker brother. Folks, we have a sponsor for today's podcast, as always, uh, Lindsay Fay Dotson at at gmail.com. We hope that you would contact her. Are you a part of a church congregation seeking effective ways to spread the word about your event? Well, look no further. Lindsay Dotson specializes in designing modern advertisements for churches. Whether it's flyers, postcards, or social media graphics, Lindsay has got you covered. Reach out through a private message on Facebook or send an email to Dotson at gmail.com for more details. Don't miss this opportunity to make your uh, message resonate far and wide. Contact Lindsay Dotson today and she will do a much better job on your design and graphics than I did on her ad read. God bless every one of you. Now I'm going to put this join the Christianity now Facebook page uh, or the Facebook group. There's a page that we'd love for you to like and follow, but join the Christianity now Facebook group. And we're going to grow that. We're going to be looking for moderators and admin as it gets bigger. And uh, we're just going to see what happens. All right. Good to see you mammoth spring church of Christ. That's um hope you don't mind me saying that. That's Barry O'Dell, by the way. And uh, we're glad to see him. He always hops in before he does a live show. Uh, Barry starts a live show at the top of the next hour. So uh, stay stick around for this one. If I go over, that's okay. Go see Barry. You can come back and catch a tail end of my show on the archive. Now, let's talk about this tyranny of the weaker brother. I have uh, written an article uh, on the matter. Um, it's, it's uh, all, all of my articles are written, uh, stream of consciousness. And then I kind of organize them and everything. Um, why did Jesus tell the man on the cross he was going to heaven if he was not baptized? Because the man on the cross does not follow the same law that you and I follow the man on the cross, uh, the thief on the cross. That is not a formula for salvation for you and me. If you want to be saved like the thief on the cross, then you need a time machine and you need to travel back in time and live under the law of Moses. And you need to commit thievery and you need to be found guilty and you need to be nailed to the cross next to Jesus. And you need to confess Jesus that he's the Son of God and you need to petition him to remember you in paradise. And then you need to be told by Jesus, today you will be with me in paradise. Until that happens, you have to do what Jesus says to do.
1: What did Jesus say to do? Repent, confess, be baptized,
0: commensurate with the belief that you have that he is your Savior.
1: All of that scripture is in the Bible. So, yeah, that's um yeah, that's all I've got on that. Um so let's
0: go to the tyranny of the weaker brother. Um the term tyranny of the weaker brother is often used to describe a situation where a person with a more sensitive conscience imposes their personal conviction onto others, leading the congregation to limit its freedom unduly. The concept stems from a biblical passage, from biblical passages like Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians 8. And we're going to sneak 1 Corinthians 10. All right. We're going to sneak 1 Corinthians 10 in there, the last half, where Paul advises believers to consider, to be considerate to those with weaker consciences so as not to cause them to stumble. Good morning, Connie Barden. Good to see you. So a a good example of this. A good modern-day example would be if somebody in the congregation, and I'm, I'm going to use Riverview Church of Christ. The Riverview Church of Christ has two families from Nigeria, uh, a family from Cameroon, and a couple of other uh, individual members from Cameroon. We, we wouldn't be able to have a trunk-or-treat event up here. Because quite frankly, from their culture, Halloween hits differently, okay? Because of their culture back in the continent of Africa. We just could not do it. Um, I think about whenever I was in the Memphis School of Preaching and we had the brethren from uh, uh, Mexico. Some of them come to us through the Monterey School of Preaching in Mexico, Monterey, Mexico. Anyway, long story short, Every year at Memphis School of Preaching, there's a "quote unquote" Valentine's Day banquet, and it's absolutely voluntary. The tickets are like twelve dollars a piece, but you must go. And if you don't go, you'll get in trouble, even though it's absolutely voluntary. Anyway, um, but the point is, everybody goes. Everybody dresses up. There's a speaker. There's a. There's no dance or anything like that. It's just. You know, there's some fun and games, and it's just a nice little banquet. It's a dinner. It's catered, and, and it's neat. However, the, 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 the year that we were there, the two years that we were there, the first year, the Mexican students said, we can't do this. And the faculty was like, well, yes, you're going to do this. And so adamant were they that they were not that they
1: said, you don't understand. We're not angry. We're not bitter, but we're just going to go home because
0: you have to understand what this looks like. Because all of these pictures are going to be on Facebook, and our people are going to see this back home. And they're going to see us participating in a Catholic holiday, celebrating a Catholic saint. Catholicism is huge where they're from in Mexico, and it hits differently. The optics are different and it would greatly harm the conscience of the people back home. And they said, we understand that this is scruple. We understand this is a matter of judgment. This is just a cultural thing that it has nothing to do with the Catholic church, but we cannot do this. And to the credit of the faculty, to the credit of the school, they weren't made to go to the dance. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. It's not a dance. The banquet, the, the word dance I used there as a catch all, generic term for a formal event by an institution. I promise you there was not a dance at Memphis School of Preaching. And if anybody clips that and shares it abroad, well, hell's going
1: to be hot, folks. There was no dance. It was a banquet that was a slip of my tongue. So that's a good example of a healthy way that two different sets of
0: scruples clashed. The Mexican students were allowed to practice their faith as they saw fit. And the, uh, the, the school allowed w- was, a, the, in other words, the Mexican students didn't condemn the school for participating in a cultural ritual, not a dance, a, a, a ritual, a banquet. I couldn't think of banquet to save my life. Barry's laughing at me. Um, should people who argue against certain quote-unquote days Also be consistent with other pagan days like birthdays. John, and this is equipping expositors' ministry. Um, John, I think they should. Now, should and should not is a whole lot different than is or is not. So it is not the case that people who are adamantly opposed to certain holidays, they are not adamantly opposed to all holidays. Uh, for instance, most, a lot of the people that I know that have a great aversion to Easter, Christmas, Halloween, and I've even seen Thanksgiving, uh, now, uh, fall prey to the ire of the, uh, weaker brethren. Um, they have no problem with putting candles on a cake and celebrating a birthday. That's a pagan ritual folks. Um, that's all there is to it. Incidentally, I'll, I'll give you one better. Um, do y'all know what a poinsettia is? Now, the same people that would go absolutely nuts at a Christmas tree in the foyer of a of a of a of a church building, they will put poinsettias everywhere. They'll even put them behind the pulpit and on each side of the pulpit. The more poinsettias, the better. Have you ever looked up what a poinsettia is? It's the Mexican Christmas flower. Poinsettias are more representative of Christmas to more people in the world than a Christmas tree. (laughs) So I think it's funny. Now, I I just keep my mouth shut. I don't say a word except on my podcast because my job, my my self-appointed task, I suppose, is to disseminate this kind of information and educate, edify, inform, encourage. Um, But, yeah, so I get a kind of a chuckle. The same people that would go nuts over having any kind of tinsel or Christmas tree or any representation of the man-made holiday of Christmas in a church building, they will put poinsettias everywhere,
1: and those are the Mexican Christmas flowers. Anyway. So let's talk about this tyranny of the weaker brother, because this is important.
0: So in the biblical context, Romans 14, 1 through 23, that's the chapter. Paul encourages believers not to judge one another based on disputable matters, such as food or special days. Another way to say that is holidays. He emphasizes that while, on, while one person may have the faith to eat all kinds of food, another with a weaker conscience. And I, I put forth to you that I am using weaker as an accommodative term. Perhaps a better way to conceptualize it is a conscience that is more tender. Like, for instance, we'll say Garland Elkins. Garland Elkins was not, didn't have weaker faith than Tony Brewer. Garland Elkins had a more tender conscience in certain areas than Tony Brewer. I know somebody, and I'm not going to call his name, but when it comes to entertainment, television and stuff like that, folks, they can't watch anything. Like they can watch very, 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 very little. Now me, I don't typically talk about what I watch on TV and understand what I say by TV. I'm talking about Netflix, Amazon Prime, YouTube, you know, the stuff that I consume for entertainment. I allow myself to consume certain entertainment that folks would look at me and say, how in the world can you, not only a Christian, but a gospel preacher, watch such vile filth? And then I disallow myself to watch certain things because of conscience that I know is acceptable to the mass. to the majority of the brotherhood. So I I, I allow myself to watch certain things where people be like, how can you watch such filth as a Christian and a gospel preacher? And then I disallow myself for conscience sake to watch certain things where most people would say, well, you're just being silly now. There's nothing wrong with that. That's why I don't discuss the things that I watch on television, because I have a tender conscience towards some things and a and a, and, a, and a strong conscience towards other.
1: Um, wow, so who are you pleasing? Sounds a lot like Martha. Have you ever read Pilgrim's
0: Progress just saying, if Jesus is truly in your heart, if you're truly saved, it changed your heart, none of this would matter. The Holy Spirit would let you know. Oh, my. No, the Holy Spirit would not let you know. That's magic. Um, the Holy Spirit would let you know. How would the Holy Spirit let you know? God wants you to come to Him with your heart, not a bunch of stuff that you've been focused on instead of Him. Um. Yeah. So, t- to the Facebook user, is Harry Potter bad? I can't answer that for you. That's a matter of judgment. You have to, you have to decide for yourself whether or not you can handle that. You have to decide for yourself. Um. But to the commenter that said the Holy Spirit would let you know, if you're depending on the Holy Spirit to magically tell you one way or the other, then, you know, we'll go back to you're not really following the Holy Spirit there. You're following the heart. And the heart is deceitful above all things, Jeremiah 17 9. All right. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction um before God. Blessed is he who does not judge himself in what he approves. Romans 14, 22. Yeah, the um in the French, uh in the French that, that passage of scripture, the, the the French word is used there, conviction. Um which I think would be a better yeah if the faith you have, I would say the conviction that you have have as your own conviction. That that's that that would be a better way of putting that. I, and the French Bible. So the people from Cameroon they speak French. And, and when we had this discussion, uh, one of them brought that up. That because he was he was having he was asking a question about conviction, and he said, "Well, the Bible says blah blah blah." I'm like, "Where does it say that?" I, you know, Romans fourteen twenty two. He told me, and I was like, "Oh, well, that's pretty cool." Um. Yes, that is where it means to keep it to yourself. That's it. So the faith, I'm going to read that as conviction. The conviction which you have. So if you're convicted about Harry Potter that you can't watch it, or you're convicted about Harry Potter that you're able to watch it, you need to keep that conviction to yourself. On both accounts, you need to be of, a, of enough spiritual maturity that if you have an area of conviction, you need to understand that you need to keep it to yourself. Now, I, as a gospel preacher, I can talk all day long about should and should nots. Well, I'll give you a good example. And you can, you, can, you can put this in the comment section, okay? Answer in the comment section. Should, I repeat, should people, quote unquote, dress up to come to worship service, okay? Now, based on any culture. You you circumnavigate the globe, the globe circumnavigate the globe, and go all around the world, and go to every culture. Any time they want to show respect, they dress up. So should people dress up to come to worship? Well, the answer is absolutely and
1: unequivocally yes. They should. And I can preach that from the pulpit as long as I'm clear. This is a should and should not.
0: But the minute I go from should to must, I have stepped outside of the boundaries of God's word and directly into the area of personal conviction.
1: All right? Personal conviction. Um, the world would lose its grip on you. I'm so sorry. We have
0: a difference of interpretation of the Bible, what you're talking about. Again, I'm sorry. I'll pray for you. I don't want you to pray for me. If you think you're led by the magic Holy Spirit, then your prayer is not going to do any good. Um, and I hate to be so blunt to you, but that's just the case. Um, the, we are absolutely guided by the Holy Spirit but it is through the Word of God. If you want to know the path that you need to walk down, you have to hide God's Word in your heart. The Holy Spirit's not going to magically tell you what to do. That's the height of foolishness. That's, that's genie in a bottle. That's magic. That's, that's the occult. You're superstitious. I know with confidence what God wants me to do and what God wants me to avoid. Because of the Bible, and I put forth the youth, probably the New Testament. Um, I go I go back to the Old Testament for whatsoever things were written aforetime, written for a learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. If the Spirit tells me something outside the Bible, then the Bible is not all sufficient. That's the thing. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, correction, and instruction and righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It's the scriptures that furnish us to all good works, not the Holy Spirit's magical guidance. That's the height of absurdity. And, and the scripture doesn't teach that at all. We are guided by the Holy Spirit, but the question is how?
1: And from what you said, it's magic. It's not magic. All right. Um, hold on a second. Let me get this. I can't see the comment. Bear with me. Well, John, I've lost a comment from you. Or did I? No, right here. Keep the convictions you have about these matters between yourself and God and don't impose them upon
0: others. You'll be happy when you don't judge yourself in doing what your conscience approves. Yes. Um, that is, John, what, what, what version did you say that this from the passion translation you say? Oh, I didn't know it would hold, I didn't know it would show that. Yeah. Keep the conviction you have about those matters between yourself and God and don't impose them upon others. You'll be happy when you don't judge yourself in doing what your conscience approves. Now, again, I shouldn't have to, but I'm going to mitigate this, not because I think Holy Scripture needs mitigating. It's because this is a verse by itself. This is not a license to follow your, quote-unquote, follow your heart. Why is it not a license to, quote-unquote, follow your heart? Because of this right here. The heart is deceitful. Above all things, Jeremiah 17, 9. All right. So we understand then that we're not going to follow our heart. However, if we have a
1: well trained conscience, if we have a well trained conscience, we can listen to that conscience. And if you have an
0: issue of conscience, say, about oh, I just feel I've got to dress up to come to worship. Then you need to dress up to go to worship. But if that is something that you know that that, that doesn't convict you, if that's not a conviction that you hold, and if you don't have an issue of conscience or a scruple, so instead of wearing a three-piece suit with a tie, you can come to worship in a pair of, you know, dicky work pants and a three-button polo shirt, then by all means do that and don't beat yourself up about it. But that doesn't mean, well, I don't have a conviction about having sex with somebody besides my wife, so therefore it's okay for me to have sex with somebody that's not my wife. So again, remember, remember the podcast, there are three ways. There's a, there's a way that is wrong and cannot be right. There's a way that seems right, but the end thereof is death. And there is a way that is right and cannot be wrong. We need to make sure that we're always going down the way that is right and cannot be wrong. So good stuff. Thank you so much. Um, Now, let me get this uh, captions back. Incidentally, I'm going to put this up here. If you want to send us a monetary donation, you can do so at www.nearchurches@gmail.com, and that's that's our email for the. PayPal. You can do that at PayPal. I'll leave that up there for a minute. Okay. So the principle from biblical context is not to let personal freedoms become a stumbling block for others. In other words, I'm not going to talk about the things that I watch on television. I'm not going to um like for instance, if I go eat at a restaurant that serves alcohol and I know for a fact that I've got some brethren that have a scruple against that, I'm not going to noise it abroad. I'm going to keep that to myself, and I'm not going to make it a point of of rubbing their noses in it. All right. Similarly, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul warns, this is verse 9, but take heed, lest by any means your freedom, your liberty, be a stumbling block to them that are weak. So the chapter here discusses the eating of meat offered to idols. And incidentally, it's not just eating of meat offered to idols as in, I went to the temple or I went to the market and I bought meat that had been offered to idols. This is eating meat that had been offered to idols by the practitioners of that pagan religion in the temple. Go read 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Well, Paul says that while an idol has no real existence, and therefore, eating such meat is not inherently sinful. Doing so could cause a weaker brother to stumble in their faith. So we do have to be careful. If we have a strong conscience where we can eat meat offered to idols, where we can celebrate a holiday, where we can uh, wear, instead of a three-piece suit, we can wear blue jeans and a polo shirt. We need to be careful of that and mindful of other people. Okay? Now, let's talk about the tyranny aspect. The tyranny aspect. While the Bible advises caution to prevent causing offense, some interpret this guidance as an obligation to always defer to the most restrictive viewpoint. Within the community, leading to the tyranny of the weaker brother. This can limit the community's freedom in areas where scripture provides latitude and can veer into legalism, imposing human rules as divine commands. This is where the tyranny of the weaker brother comes in. It is absolutely a human rule that you cannot have a Christmas tree in the church building. It is absolutely a human rule that you cannot eat in the church building. It is absolutely a human
1: rule that you must wear a three-piece suit to the church building. If we allow the
0: weaker conscienced brethren to rule, then we are setting themselves up as our standard in place of God's standard, and we are allowing them to rule. That cannot happen, all right? So what? what is, is there a biblical precedence for that? Well,
1: uh, when I go to Titus, let's see, is it Titus chapter 2? No, Galatians. Sorry, dummy. Uh,
0: Titus is the subject of where I'm going to go talk, talk about. Um, Ephesians, no. 1 Corinthians, Galatians.
1: 1, Second Corinthians, Galatians. I'll get this in a minute. All right. Verse 3 But neither Titus,
0: who was with me, being Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, our freedom, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But these who seem to be somewhat whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me. God accepteth no man's person for they who seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me, but contrawise when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, so on and so forth. Titus, Paul had circumcised Timothy, excuse me, titus paul did not have circumcised timothy paul had circumcised what's the difference well the difference is the compelling paul preemptively because of timothy's heritage said we need to get you circumcised because we're going to be preaching to jews and we don't need to have any barrier of entry to their obeying the gospel well titus was not a jew titus was a greek 100 percent, and the brethren These brethren came in privily to spy out the freedom of Paul and company, and they insisted, and Paul said no. Now, if it were the case that some of the rules were applied to this situation, the same things that people say about freedoms today, these people that think we always have to defer to the most tender consciences among us, They would say to Paul that he did wrong, that he should have had Titus circumcised, because, and if you'll forgive me in advance for being somewhat crass, what's a
1: little foreskin in comparison to the human soul? Well, folks, Paul didn't let that stand for a minute. Paul said, No,
0: you're not going to have us circumcise Titus. So the Bible advises caution to prevent causing offense. Some interpret this guidance as an obligation to always defer to the most restrictive viewpoints within the community. Right here, we have an example where that is not the case. We do not always submit to the most tender, restrictive conscience. We have to have balance. Now, This is where this ties in with the podcast from yesterday. Who gets to decide? I was at a congregation that was an older, seasoned, legacy congregation, and one of the older, long-time members thought they had me hung on the horns of a dilemma whenever they asked this question. Well, who gets to decide? Like, you've been a Christian for 50 years. This congregation has elders for the last hundred years,
1: and you don't know who gets to decide? Shame on you. Folks, the elders decide, and you and me have to follow what they
0: decide. Now, what if they're weak elders and they allow the most tender conscienced, the weaker conscience, the most restrictive brethren among them, to always lead. Well, then they're not really elders, and they need to be disposed of. They need to be gotten rid of. Either that or they need to be confronted with their sin and made to change. The problem is it's very difficult to have this happen because, well, what's going to happen if the elders who have been weak-spined for so long, if they all of a sudden start saying, we're in charge. You're not in charge. And even though you think that everybody that celebrates Christmas is going to hell, we're not going to tiptoe around that anymore. And we're going to, instead of making a religious and, and, and spiritual codependent congregation, we're going to allow everybody to, to go their own way in this matter, because that's what Jesus allows through the Bible. Well, they're going to lose some members. And a lot of times, elders are just absolutely scared to death of that. And my response is some
1: people need to go. Some members need to go. I mean, that's, you, sometimes you got to trim some fat.
0: And if you have a group of members that are ruling the congregation by proxy through the elders, all right, so I don't know exactly where I was, but the last thing that I heard on the recording is if you've got a group of members who are ruling the congregation by proxy through the elders because of their tender conscience, then you've got a congregation that is outside the fellowship, and you've got a group of members that need to be excised. They need to, be, they need to either change or be withdrawn from. You need to go to them. The elders need to man up, and I say man on purpose. The elders need to man up, and they need to take control back from these people, and they have, to, they have to reassert their dominance in the congregation. Now, this sounds very, very bad to people because, quite frankly, masculinity has been vilified for so many years, but it is the case. You, individual, are not so important to the congregation that you can't leave and never come back and the congregation not be fine. Boy, that's a hard pill to swallow. So, anyway, I don't know exactly where I, what I've said before and all this. That's one of, the, one of the sad things about these podcasts being extemporaneous. But I think it makes for better content. Anyway, um, oh, Diana Harden says that's correct. That's what I last heard. Good deal. So, remember, elders are so all-fired scared usually of losing members. And I'm just do what you're supposed to do, and if you lose members, that's fine because that's God's will. Remember the podcast where I talked about how to be very, very formidable. Always speak and act in a commensurate way with the truth, and any outcome, regardless of of how it affects you negatively or positively, is the outcome that is that is in in alignment with God's will. So if if a group of elders tells the congregation, look, we have been ruling the congregation based on the most tender consciences, the most restrictive consciences. We're no longer doing that. We are no longer going to create a religiously and spiritually codependent congregation. We're going to empower you to live out your discipleship within the freedoms that Christ died for well you may lose some people you are better off those people needed to go if they won't change they need to go that's that's church discipline that's how church discipline works all right now so balancing expediency and sensitivity elders bear the responsibility to balance the principle of expediency with the need to be sensitive to all members Of the congregation, their role includes making decisions that are both scripturally sound and considerate of the community's diverse perspectives. I'll use the Riverview Church of Christ. The Riverview Church of Christ is 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 probably the healthiest
1: congregation that I've ever been a part of. There's there's a few reasons for that, but it's the truth.
0: I would not impose my set of scruples on them and I would not insist however that we have an event like trunk or treat or I wouldn't put a Christmas tree in the foyer I would not there wouldn't be room but you get what I'm saying you have to respect the tender consciences of the people there You don't rub their noses in it. You don't, you don't say, look at me, look at me. And I don't care about your, I don't care about your guilty conscience, but you also cannot allow the guilt, the, the tender conscience, the, the weaker conscience to rule and and become a tyrannical force in the congregation. All right. Which is commensurate with my next line. however, They must also guard against allowing individual preferences to unduly restrict the congregation's freedoms, especially in matters where scripture allows for diversity of practice. All right. Understanding the concept of the tyranny of the weaker brother serves as a cautionary tale in church governance. While it is crucial to consider the weaker conscience to maintain unity, An imbalance can lead to unnecessary limitations and even legalism. Elders must exercise wisdom and discernment in navigating these complex issues, always prioritizing the clear teachings of Scripture while fostering an environment where liberty and sensitivity can coexist. Folks, I say this often. And we didn't even bring First Corinthians 10 into this.
1: Um, we will before we close. Uh, elders, gospel preachers, people who teach the Bible, they have to be spiritually mature enough to
0: do what they're supposed to do and allow people freedoms and teach in such a way and counsel in such a way that allow people freedoms that they themselves do not enjoy. I have had several questions about marriage, divorce and remarriage over the years where I have had to counsel in this area where there's no way if I was in their situation I could ever remarry in good conscience. However, the scriptures teach very specific in certain things and if their scenario doesn't clearly fall into that category then it must be understood that it's a matter of judgment that remaining celibate and single in that situation would be a matter of judgment then i have to teach and counsel in such a way that allows people liberty that i do not myself enjoy and i've made that clear over the years when it comes to uh when it comes to certain things like what we do on facebook when it comes to certain things like when it comes to certain things like uh uh eating eating uh dinner in a restaurant that serves alcohol and eating in the bar area when it comes to um well a plethora of things i have to teach the bible and empower people
1: to act in certain ways that I myself would not have the liberty to act. If you're an elder and you can't do that, you need to step down. You're not fit
0: for the position. If you're allowing a member with a tender conscience to affect how you're ruling, you need to step down. You're not fit for the position. You need to be able to be strong and say, "Listen." I understand that there's a lot of a lot of emotion here. I understand that you have a tender conscience. I understand that you're probably not alone. But we're going to take this as an opportunity for you to grow in Christ. And we're going to allow the young people to get together on uh Sunday evening and I don't know I don't think of them, go to Applebee's and eat,
1: even though it's got a bar in the restaurant. So we're going to allow them to do that. Folks, that's what an elder's
0: job is. An elder is the line of defense against the tyranny of the weaker brother. All right. Well, folks, that's all I've got. Let's, let's run real quick to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Listen to this, all things are lawful for me. I'm going to explain expedience here, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful, but all things do not edify the word expedient. The root word is, is, is
1: expedite. How, how do you, how do you define expediency? Well, so we have a command to sing. We have a command to do things decently in order.
0: We have a command for people who lead singing in 1 Corinthians 14 to one person gets up there and brings his spiritual song. And then once he's done, somebody else would get up there, but you don't need to have any more than three in turn. All right. Well, how do you expedite that? Well, the best way to expedite singing and having a song leader is to have song books and or have in modernity a projection. All right. A projection, a projector. Um, what am I, somebody help me out. What is it? PowerPoint. (laughs) To have a PowerPoint that expedites the command to sing. It doesn't change the command or anything like that. It expedites. So, Who gets to decide whether a congregation uses songbooks or has a PowerPoint? The elders. They rule in matters of expediency. Uh, Barry O'Dell, Mammoth Spring Church of Christ is good stuff. I don't think we can hear this stuff enough. We often have the do's and the do nots down and fail to understand matters of personal conscience. You got that right. You got that right. And thank you. All right. So all things are lawful. Not everything expedites the carrying out of the lawful thing. That's what Paul's saying. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. So don't be selfish. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles,
1: eat, asking no question for conscience sake. So if you... So are you saying it's the elder's decision if you have a Christmas tree on stage during worship? Yes. Now. Would it be wise? Well, that's a conversation for another time. But there is no book, chapter, and verse that forbids a Christmas tree on stage behind the preacher. Who gets to decide whether or not there is one? Well, does it expedite what we are supposed to do
0: or does it impede? Well, the eldership would get together and say, Well, what do we need to do? Well, in every congregation of the Lord's church I've ever been in, the eldership would decide that it impedes. But what if you have a congregation where it doesn't? What if you have a congregation where the elders say, you know, everybody in this congregation knows exactly what that tree represents, and it's a matter of judgment. And we in this area have allowed freedom instead of restriction. So we're going to allow the Christmas tree up there. It's the same thing with a poinsettia. Who gets to decide whether or not to put a poinsettia uh, on the
1: stage during worship? The elders. You see, God hasn't ruled. God has not ruled on this whatsoever. Would this also apply
0: to wearing a cross necklace? Yes, it would. My wife bought me one I wear occasionally because she bought it for me. Yeah, yeah, that would, that, would exa- that would absolutely apply to a cross necklace. In fact, for a personal scruple like that, I don't believe the elders have any power. Because the, the, the elders do not rule whether or not you have a Christmas tree in your home. The elders do not rule what you can do in your house. I mean, that's God's ruling. The elders rule... With, with, on on how the church collectively acts. Now, if each individual is to submit to the larger whole, so if the entire congregation comes to you, I guess, and says, look, we have a problem with you wearing that cross necklace, then that's a conversation you need to have. And the way I would handle that is I would take the cross necklace off and I would put it in my pocket, but then I would explain to them and I'd be just, I'd just be transparent, like, look, Y'all come to me and say that you don't like me wearing the cross necklace and I have submitted to your collective will, but that buys me the right to teach you. And then you start teaching them about this and eventually you'll be putting the cross necklace back on. John says, I thought so. I had one tell me it was wrong to have anything that relates to crosses or such in the home or on the person. Yeah, that, that's an absolute and you be careful how you handle that, but that's absolutely a matter of conscience. But with the with the Christmas
1: tree, personally I don't think you should have a Christmas tree on the dias, on the pulpit.
0: Behind the pulpit where the preacher's preaching. But I don't think you ought to have the Mexican Christmas plant or the Mexican Christmas flower either. In other words, every argument that someone would say, we don't need to have
1: a Christmas tree on the on the stage behind the preacher, you can apply to, or I can apply to, we don't need to have
0: Mexican Christmas flowers littered all through our congregation. And the same defense of the Mexican Christmas flower, can be applied to the Christmas tree. You see how that works. So it is absolutely a matter of judgment and who
1: gets to decide it's the elders. It's the elders. All right. So let no man seek his
0: own. So don't be, don't do anything of selfish for vain glory whatsoever. Sold in the shambles eat. Don't ask any questions about it. In other words, When you go to the meat market, now 1 Corinthians 8 doesn't deal with going to the meat market. 1 Corinthians 8 deals with going to the temple and eating. 1 Corinthians 8 deals with meat offered to idols that is sold at the meat market. That's what the shambles are. So when you buy meat at the meat market, just buy it. Don't worry about it. Just buy it. The idol is nothing. We all know this. However, uh, so for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And if any of them that believe not, so if, if anybody who is not a Christian invites you to a feast, and you go, whatever is set before you, just eat it and don't ask about it. However, but verse twenty-eight, if any
1: man saying to you, "This is offered in sacrifice unto the idols," then don't you eat it, for this for his sake rather, that showed it and for conscience' sake,
0: for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience I say, not thine own, but for the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that which I give thanks? Whether therefore you eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do all in the glory of God, and don't give any one offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that, the, that they may be saved. So in other words, Paul is going to go, he's going to eat meat. He's going to, he's going to go eat meat offered to idols. He's going to buy meat from the shambles. He's going to be invited to feasts, and he's going to go eat at those feasts. And he's not going to say anything. He's going to make a ruckus. He's just going to be a disciple of Christ spreading Jesus. However, if in one of these feasts somebody says, "Hey, this meat, this food that you're eating, it's special." Oh really, why is it special? Because it was idol, it was offered to the goddess Diana. Oh really? Well, I can't eat it, because I'm a Christian, and I don't recognize Diana. You're not doing that for your conscience's sake, you're doing that for His conscience's sake because you're going to be eating that meat and you're going to try to be converting him. And he's told you how special this meat was. So he's going to be asking you like, well, why are you then partaking in these pagan rituals? Now, again, it can be said, well, Tony, you, you seem to be talking around in circles because that's, that's the reason why Christians shouldn't do anything with Christmas, Easter, Halloween, Thanksgiving, shouldn't do anything about a Jewish Seder, shouldn't have any kind of reference to holidays or whatever my question, my, my answer is yeah, that's right. You do what your conscience allows. That's, that's the point here. If your conscience is more res- restrictive, then just do what your conscience allows and do not condemn somebody else for what they're doing. Folks, we cannot fall prey to the tyranny of the weaker brother and the elders alone are the defense they're not the first defense in a line of defense they're not the final defense in a in a in a in a long line of defense they are the only defense against the tyranny of the weaker brother and if you've got a set of elders that will not take charge and risk making these people angry and running them off and incidentally if you will if you have so it's both extremes if you have an eldership that will not risk offense to the, to the weaker brother, then they need to be gone. They need to be ousted. They're not fit for the role. If you have a group of elders that will not impose boundaries on brethren who have a very tough conscience, then they're weak and they need to be deposed, disposed of. They need to be gotten rid of.
1: folks. That's, that's, that's just it. We cannot, we cannot fall prey to the tyranny of the weaker brother. That's all I've
0: got. I hope I've said something that's edified you and informed you. I hope, uh, yeah, that's, that's about all I've got. That's, uh, I hope something good comes from this podcast. Folks, as you go into this holiday season, maybe, maybe we follow the words of our brother, the Apostle Paul, and we just study to be quiet, and mind our own business, and do our own work, and work with our own hands that we may walk honestly towards those that are without.
1: God bless every one of you. Thank you, Diana Harden. We really appreciate you. And remember, look at those poinsettias for what they are. <laughs> They're the Mexican Christmas
0: flower. So if you've got a really bad aversion to anything that has to do with Christmas being in the Lord's church, or I guess I should say the Lord's church building, maybe you rethink your poinsettias, the Mexican Christmas flower. All right, absolutely, Rusty. We all need strong elders, absolutely. And we need elders that understand this concept. We really do. We really do. I've seen it just tear congregations to pieces. Folks, this has been Tony Brew with Cogitations. You can support us monetarily. find that in the show notes. Uh, look, for this, th- look for this article that I read today on Substack. Subscribe. It's free. And uh, follow us on all these. Uh, subscribe to YouTube. Uh, be sure to, to uh, contact Dotson at gmail.com for uh, your uh, event needs. These are archived on Rumble and Podbean, apple podcast spotify and tune radio you can find the audio god bless every one of you um connie Barnes has never heard that about the poinsettia yeah i had never either till a few years ago and it blows my mind in fact uh i tell you what i'm gonna do
1: let me make sure all right poinsettia, poinsettia. The Mexican. Yeah. Why are poinsettias the Christmas flower? Well, they're native to Mexico. The plant is
0: called Flor de la Noche Buena, or Flower of the Holy Night, due to its resemblance to the Star of Bethlehem. In their native region of southern Mexico, poinsettia flowers flower during the Christmas season.
1: So they are called, hold on a second, Flor de la Noche Buena, Flower of the Holy Night. It's the Mexican Christmas flower. And all these people
0: that would hit the roof at putting anything that looks like quote unquote Christmas in the church building in December. A lot of them just stroll Mexican Christmas flowers around everywhere. Connie, I think it's cool too. I have no problem with poinsettias in the church building, but I wouldn't particularly have a problem with a Christmas tree in the church building. I mean, think what if we had a Christmas tree and instead of a, a, a star like a contemporary star, we put a poinsettia on it, or we took a Christmas tree and we put poinsettias all over it. Boy, that would really screw some people up in the head, wouldn't it? Anyway, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I don't need to be in charge of the decisions. <laughs> anyway, listen. God bless every one of you, and you know how to find us. You know how to support us. Uh, this has been Tony Brewer with Christianity, Now, or with well Christianity now cogitations. Remember, Podbean, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio. And we'll catch you on the flip side.